And welcome to episode three of Lost Boys Legacy Week on the Heart God Media Podcast. This episode, we're going to be doing some testimonials slash fan talk, and we have some people who have never been guests on this show and people who have been guests on this show. We have a returning guest, Joey from Ninja Toidles, on today to discuss uh, Lost Boys a little bit and give his little testimonial on... uh, this 1987 classic joey it's been awesome getting to know you and i'm pumped that you're uh, you're able to come back on and uh what better to talk about the lost boys yeah dude i, I really appreciate the opportunity man obviously as, as obsessed as i am with uh, ninja toidles and anything tmnt um there's so much other stuff out there so i don't want to pigeonhole myself where it's oh all i can do is talk about turtles but yeah I, i've been i've been so hooked on this movie for years dude so i'm excited to talk a little bit about it absolutely so so you're, you know, we're of a of a demographic of being in our 30s. So the VHS era was huge. Now, where did you find this? Because you're, yeah, it, it's you know, you know, we're in that sweet spot where we were like video stores were a thing, and also like it was a big deal for like these movies to like premiere on say like a Cinemax or like uh, an HBO and type thing. Yeah, dude. So I mean. I, I, like you mentioned, like I was born end of 83, so almost 84. Um, the movie came out, I think, in 87. Yep. And I didn't see it until about 97. So I think I was in about 7th or 8th grade at that point in time. And one of my best friends in the back in, in junior high, uh, his name was Jacob. And it was like one of the first times he ever like slept over at my house. And he's like, dude, you ever seen Lost Boys? And I had no clue what he was talking about. And it was like one of his favorite movies. And I think it was his brother's copy on VHS. So I remember he slept over, dude, we ordered a pizza and we watched Lost Boys. And I was like, dude, I had, I had no clue what to expect. I, had, I didn't even know anything by the name. Obviously, it's not like you can jump on a computer in 97. And right. Looking it up and seeing, I was just like, he's stoked about it. So I was like, dude, bring it over. We'll watch it together, man. Uh, and I was obsessed all the way through. See, and that's like a huge thing that, um, I mean, it's big for your page with Ninja Toidles too, is the nostalgia factor. It brings you back, these things bring you back to a certain time. Now, you're talking 97, you're talking 20, was that, 23 years ago, and you remember (laughs) that you ordered a pizza... And Dude, you I remember re- what kind of pizza we ordered, which is really weird as I'm thinking about this right now. Like, I'm getting, like, Vietnam flashbacks, like, okay. just talking about it. Well, I mean, um, you're Joey from the Ninja <laughs> Toils, man. We gotta, I gotta ask, what what kind of pizza did you order? Well, it was interesting, because back then, I think I was just doing, like, simple stuff as a kid. I would just do, like, cheese, or I would do, like, sausage or pepperoni. And my buddy was all gung-ho about, like, onions and green pepper. And I was like, Dude, game on. And I, I was like, man, he's nailing it with the pizza. I was like, that was delicious. I go, he's nailing it with the movie, so... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like an, an onion and, uh, and green pepper, dude, and it was it was off the chain. Hell yeah! So yeah, so and that was like it was such a staple for the time. Like um, when these movies came out, VHSs, you know, now we're, I mean, people are so spoiled. We have, I mean, people have gotten away from physical media a little bit i mean collectors like like myself and 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 others still collect physical you know newly released revamped blu-rays and things like that but at a time when 
you know, VHSs were just had a mystique about them and like a holy grail like sensibility to them, like having a VHS tape of something. Even you know, in the throughout the '90s and into the early 2000s, it was. Uh, and this movie was a big. I believe this was one of Warner Brothers' top five best-selling videos on VHS. Oh wow, that's awesome! And it's uh, and the movie did uh, was successful. It was an eight and a half million dollar budget. They made about uh, a little less than thirty three million. So you know they were into the the black. They were they they it was a successful movie, uh, but it really took off and gained fandom. I think like that cult following, even though it was a successful film. Right. Later on, it just got even that much bigger. Exactly. Cause it's just getting passed on to generation and generation. And there's people now that are like still discovering it. And like we said, the nostalgia factor is so huge. You can, you know, you remember exactly what you were doing when you see, when you saw certain films, it's, it's a, it's a testament to, you know, the impact that, you know, things like, you know, uh, the Ninja Turtles, everything encapsulating them, and the movies like horror movies, uh, big time for me. But just anything movies in general, like I remember the first time I remember like the first time that I, you know, saw certain films, and it's this is like I mean a testament to it. We're you know we're talking about it all these years later. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, it's, it sticks with you. Like you said, it's weird how how much you uh, you remember the details about it. And uh, so one of the uh, one of the uh, co-hosts that are usually on here, one of the two Tyler brothers, Eric, uh, mentioned in the last episode that the Chinese scene in this has forever scarred him before he could ever eat lo mein, and he will not eat lo mein because of the worm scene and with the Chinese food. Well, that's and, and that's such a great scene, dude. Because that's a, it, it's so funny. I think when we, you know you and I were talking before. Uh, back about Ninja Turtles and how there's certain things in those movies and cartoons that are in your daily vocabulary, but I can't tell you how many times, or I should say how often, I say maggots, Michael, you're eating maggots out of the case. <laughs> and like obviously nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but that's such an amazing scene, because if you think about it, like, obviously he's trying to convince him, hey, you're eating maggots. He's like, oh, it's my imagination. Then he's like, well, wait a second, no, you're eating worms. And he's like, that's imagination. And then Star tells him, you're about to drink blood. And he's like, this is bullshit because this is the third time yeah. you guys are trying to get me. And that's how he, like, that's how David gets him to drink it, which is like so genius. You know, it's actually funny. I never, I've kind of like subconsciously thought about that, but I've never really yeah. thought that that was how they, you know, tricked him once the, like the blood yeah, bottle. I thought that's how he was building it up. He's like, this is the only way I'm going to convince him to drink this is by just keep messing with him mentally. And then by the third time, he's like, I'm not going to fall for this again. He yeah. Where he's like, yeah, blood. Sure. Uh, how how sick is that wine bottle though, dude? That whole setup, man, in that cave. So like you just want—I remember being, being like, "I do. I just want to hang out there." Yeah, when like I was a kid, dude. I was like, "That's that's the place I want to hang out with my friends after school." What a what a awesome what a everything about this film uh, obviously is is why we're doing Legacy Week on it. But the uh, the sets and the design of everything just had a, a style about it that I don't think any film before it really captured, even in the eighties. And I don't think a film's really captured the kind of like stylistic uh, vibe of this film since. Yeah, and they do an awesome job just starting off with it, man. When they do the intro with, uh, you know, the people are strange. Uh, oh yeah, uh, with the doors uh, intro, 
and then they're just doing all these different cuts of like the locals uh, of Santa Cruz, and it really it really sets you up for like the tone of the movie and like the theme. Oh, absolutely. So, did you have a did you have a favorite character from the Lost Boys? Uh... I mean, it was probably Michael, dude. I mean, he was just a badass. Um, you know, I did like uh, the Frog Brothers, of course, because I was like, these kids just want to kick some ass, but they were like scared at the same time, which was kind of cool. It was, right. It was funny to see them like still vulnerable about it, but like they're like justice in the American way. But yeah. then they would like scream when they would see like the, the vampires at the end when they're trying to kill them all. Yeah, because um, I mean, because they never really. Um they never really talked about whether or not the Frog Brothers had actually seen vampires before that. Right, that's a good point. They just were convinced that they existed. And uh, to be able to see, like, and that gives, you know, it gives characters like the Frog Brothers such a human element that they're they're so gung-ho about, and they, they take themselves so serious about being vampire killers, but at, when, you know, they're still human, and when you see vampires screaming and, and dripping... <laughs> glittery blood all over you when you stake one of them uh it's it's still scary yeah exactly dude and that was the biggest thing again they're they're all about it they've read about it in comics and what to do but when it came down to it you know it's kind of hard to keep it cool and i think uh especially watching this as uh a teenager um you you really and even before it like i watched it as a as a young kid it was just my parents were just like watch whatever like they didn't really have restrictions so I was like watching these movies at a young age and even before it, like I was just like enamored with the characters because they were so well developed and you really believed that, you know, Jason Patrick and Corey Haim were brothers. They, they, the dynamic between all the characters was really solid, which is, you know, you don't always get like solid storytelling in a lot of horror movies, especially in the eighties. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Obviously that's, I think what set them uh, going forward is the, as the two Corys, right? And they, they did a lot of teen movies, I think. You know, that was the first one they ever did together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think about that, too. The tra- tra- trajectory that uh, it started with the, the two Corys. And uh, Kiefer Sutherland just n- hits it out of the park as David, too. You know, he's coming off a movie called At Close Reigns with Sean Penn. And uh, a little more successfully, uh, Stand By Me, just the year prior as well. Oh, dude, I didn't even think about that. I love that movie, too. But, yeah, I didn't even think of the uh, the closeness in, uh, in uh, production for that. That's cool. Yeah, a second uh, Kiefer and Corey Feldman collaboration film. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So, what is there a scene that has always stuck out to you and just been one of your favorite, like, scenes? Like, uh, I mean, you talked about, like, how much you loved, like, the, the setting of um, the cave and things like that. Was there ever, like, a scene or a shot that just, like, has stuck with you through all, all these years? Yeah, dude. I think it was funny as kids. I think we rewound, we, we rewound the VHS tape, like, three times because we couldn't stop laughing around. Uh, I forgot what the dude's name is in real life, but the guy who plays the saxophone at the beach. Yeah, Tim Capella. Um, oh, my God. Dude. I just remember we couldn't stop. I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing about it, dude. Like. I wasn't laughing. I'm like, this is a joke, but I was just like, I can't take it. This guy is like so jacked and ripped and he's like rocking the saxophone. Oh yeah. No one's um, had saxophone moves like that ever. <laughs> right, dude. So I think, I think my favorite scene honestly is that whole initial, like just uh, boardwalk scene, you know, just like Michael's iron star. And then obviously he comes across the, the rest of the crew. And then I think it's that whole, that whole motorcycle scene. Cause that song is super dope when they're on the beach. Oh yeah. Um, and he's like, I can't beat you. And he's like, he's like, my bike's not fast enough. And he's like, you don't have to beat me. You just got to keep up. Yeah. And like that whole scene was super dope. And it's cool because I went to, uh, 
uh, I was in California uh, probably about four years ago, and I had the opportunity to, to drive to Santa Cruz. And I'm walking around the boardwalk, and it's changed a lot. I read that it, it burned down at one point, so they had to rebuild it, so a lot of it wasn't the same. Right. But I'll, say, I'll send you the video later tonight. But as I'm walking around, dude, I start to feel – I get this really weird, creepy, like, deja vu, like, Matrix style. And I'm like, dude, I feel like I've been here before. And I realize, like, what I'm looking at and what I'm hearing is messing with me. And it's the audio that plays from the merry-go-round. So, like, that you hear in the beginning. I'll, I took a video of it. I was looking through my phone tonight, and I found the video. That's so, so rad. I, I'll have to send it to you. But I was it was just so cool because I felt like I was in the movie for 10 seconds. But it was weird because I was so confused. But then I was like, oh, man, this is like the whatever area that they filmed. And they definitely took the audio straight out of the Santa Cruz boardwalk. It's not like it was additional audio that they just added to it. That's uh, that's amazing. That's a great story. I can't wait to see that video, actually. Yeah, for sure, dude. So, uh, as a as a a fan of this film, have you you know have you at what point did you realize or or have you realized that like this movie is has just gained so much popularity over the years, and it's one of those like classic films. It's a timeless film that like even though it's very 80s and it was of a time frame i feel like it doesn't feel like it ages badly it feels like it's a very timeless film it did yeah i mean obviously it's got some stuff that goes with some corny stuff that goes along with the 80s but i don't think there's ever a point where like ooh, this like you said i don't think there's a point where like it doesn't hold up like it holds up the whole time um i'll be honest like i don't have i have a a few friends that I, i think enjoy the movie as much as i do but i think Again, just I, I think seeing it on Instagram over the last few years, just really seeing it where there's a lot of people that are making a lot of clothing, I think, around it, uh, or posters, uh, which are just so, they're so awesome, and they're just such a cool original take uh, on, like, okay, here's the original poster, but, like, how can we make this even better? And, like, right. putting their own spin on it, and then making it look ten times better than even just the original, you know, black and white and then red poster. But I think seeing it on Instagram the last few years really kind of clicked on like again how big of a cult classic it is absolutely and uh i'm gonna float an idea i'm just saying there's four ninja turtles and there's four lost boys to to see ninja turtles (laughs) in lost boys regalia like that those 80s like vampire clothes might be a good idea for a pen just saying i know right that's not yeah do some kind of like vampire crossover because i guess there was that one dracula action figure that they did yeah 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 that's that's like the closest you would get yeah they were they were all like the universal monsters i think Raphael was a mummy you got it yeah i think mikey was like frankenstein yep and i think leo was was creature from the lagoon or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) so sick that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that would be hilarious, man. And it's funny, too, cause especially with, uh, as you're mentioning that, thinking about um, with the new Bill and Ted coming out. And then oh, Netflix, absolutely. I always forget that Bill is, you know, he's in the, what's his name, Alex Winter. Alex he's Winter. Lost Boys, which is always funny. And, uh, you know, even him, you know, them doing, him and Keanu Reeves doing the new Bill and Ted, too. It's just going to kick up all those old Alex Winter, you know, the, obviously the old Bill and Ted, the two uh, older Bill and Ted films. But, you know, that's just going to, you know, raise his profile. People are going to be like, oh, yeah, he was in The Lost Boys. And then, you know, it, it just keeps reverting back to all these classic films. And we'll just talk about them until the end of time. It just feels like right. he's, it's, and it's that's great. And too, it makes me worried because I, I've never seen, I know they made a, a Lost Boys 2 with Corey Haim. And I refuse to watch that just because i'm sure it's beyond horrible 
um, I'm trying to look it up right now. I don't even know if it's just called like Lost Boys Two. Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's called the uh, Lost Boys: The Tribe, and it was a oh, it was a direct to video. And uh, it's, uh, you know, for what it is, and actually I believe it is Kiefer Sutherland's, um, a relative of his, I could be wrong, I think it's his youngest brother actually plays the the David-esque role in it. Okay, gotcha. I thought you were going to say he's in it, and I was like, well, hold on a second, maybe I'd watch it, but it looks like it's just um cory feldman i think it's only person returning right uh yeah edgar frog is in jameson newlander who plays uh alan frog rather is in the uh, is in a deleted scene and he does show up in the third film um and third one too yeah there's a third one called uh the thirst and that one was it's i mean it's you stick to the original and you're good um (laughs) that's what i figured like i it's like movies like that are like boondock saints i know they made a sequel and i was like i feel like i should not watch that like the boondock saints was an amazing movie i don't know I feel like sometimes sometimes sequels will just kind of screw it up yeah there's uh i know there's a graphic novel there was a comic sequel to the lost boys which was uh really was really good i remember reading it years and years ago and that was cool and i know joel schumacher who who recently passed away the director of the film Right. He, he um his original idea was to do a Lost Girls was to have it you know be f- the f- you know the script flipped and it was a girl biker gang, um gotcha. and I think he wanted to do that like once it once he got into like through the mid nineties I think he had given up on that um and then years later I think they were just trying to Warner Brothers wanted to cash in on the name and. Uh, we got a Lost Boys 2, and it wasn't really that great, and a Lost Boys 3 was even worse. And But with that said, it doesn't matter because the, the first one is so powerful and it's so fun right. and entertaining. Yep. It, it You know, you can't, you can't really tarnish it, and that's always a, a good thing when something is, uh, holds up all these years and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't really matter if any bad sequels came out. But. <laughs> yeah, right. And, it, doesn't bad, uh, it doesn't give the original a bad name, I guess. So, yeah, it's gravy at that point. And um, the, I'm blanking on the name of the TV channel. It was whatever TV channel does Riverdale. I have no idea, dude. Uh, but, yes, they, they almost greenlit a Lost, a Lost Boys, um, and I think they were calling it the Lost Girls, it was like in talks. They actually had writers. They had like a pilot. They were getting ready to film, and then they canned oh, it. Is it is it CW? CW, yes. Thank okay, you. that kind of sounds familiar now. Yeah, and then they they ended up canning it for whatever reason. But it's it's even still, and even at this point, they announced just I think two weeks ago that they're doing uh, a Broadway musical of it, of the original film. Oh no, kidding. Okay. So, I mean, it's still relevant, and people are still clamoring for more Lost Boys content. I mean, and and as you you said as well, uh, you go on Instagram, there's uh, below the boardwalk is a Lost Boys Instagram page, and I believe the gentleman is from the UK, and he posts a lot of snippets and uh, props from the movie, and he it's a really cool fan page, and there's still just a great fan following, and uh, I feel like this is a movie that, even people who aren't necessarily 80s film fans or even 80s horror fans or horror fans in general, Lost Boys, I feel like, is a common ground for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
that's some yeah again so some people's introduction to just like the whole lore of of what vampires are right and just how that whole thing works and just trying to see if that kind of the continuity between other vampire movies i feel like i would always base it off of this because like you think of like the boyfriend right like he i think he even touches on it at the end they're like because he's not supposed to be able to go into their house but when he meets michael he's like well you're the man of the house so i'm not going to come in until you invite me and then he's like well you're invited and then he can walk in at that point like those little cues if you know how vampires work you pick that up later on so i felt like any vampire movie i've ever seen since I'm always basing off if it's accurate off of Lost Boys, and uh, and of course uh, he passes all the tests. And when he right. is just about to reveal himself at the end, Alan Frog, well, you pass the test. You know, don't ever invite a vampire into your house, <laughs> silly boy. It renders yeah. you powerless. Yep, exactly, dude. So uh, that's what it makes me, it makes me want to see a prequel with the grandfather, dude. I, obviously, he knows about this the whole time. Oh so yeah, like, yeah, he knows. He knows. Yep. It's. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, what are your, uh, you know, closing thoughts on the Lost Boys, Joey? What are, you know, what do you think the legacy of the Lost Boys is? Yeah, man, I think it's just the whole, it's the whole attitude of the movie, dude. It's the, it's the attitude, it's the style, it's the time. Um, you know, it just stands out. Again, like seeing it, right? Like being uh, born and raised in Chicago and, and lived in Illinois my whole life, and again seeing it in like seventh grade, like. You know, I never really experienced, and you watch other movies, but, like, just seeing that whole California vibe, I think, too, uh, really stood out to me at that time. So, again, just, like, I don't want to say it's way ahead of its time back in 87, but it's just, you've, I don't feel, I feel like you've never seen anything like it, to be honest. Like, nothing really compares, and I think if you have seen something similar, it's because it's it's stolen bits and pieces off of Lost Boys. 100%. Couldn't have said it better. That is, uh, and you... Uh, <laughs> You nailed it though, with because uh, I grew up in you know upstate New York, and uh, there's you know there's bigger Syracuse is a is a decent sized city, but and and I grew up like kind of in a rural setting, kind of similar to what Grandpa's like house on the his little ranch looked like, but uh it, yeah it it set like a you know especially any kind of movie that took place in California it, it was always intrigued you if you didn't live in California because California while only you know a couple hundred or a couple thousand miles away in in our case it uh you know it, there was still like a like a mystique about California and any movie based in California always kind of drew you in if you didn't live out there you know yeah, dude. Again, the whole style, the whole obviously just the weather, the beach. I mean, I got Lake Michigan here, but I mean it's not, it's not, uh, it's not the Pacific. So yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not the Pacific Ocean, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I, this has been an awesome little combo. I was pumped that you were uh, able to jump on, uh, and it was it was awesome having you on uh, again, man. I appreciate the time. Yeah, dude. No, thank you, man. Uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity, like I mentioned in the beginning. And, you know, anything else you're ever uh, looking to talk about, dude, I'm totally game. Obviously, Turtles, of course. But um, anything else, as long as it's something that I'm familiar with, man, I'd, I'd love to be on here again with you. Absolutely, man. If you see us post anything, it looks interesting to you. You hit me up. You're welcome on this this little showcase anytime. Sounds good, homie. I appreciate it, bro. Thank you. Yeah, and you could find Joey on Instagram at Ninja Turtles. He runs a Ninja Turtles fan page. 
slash pin company, whatever you want to call it. It's all awesome stuff. He does amazing work, and he is one of the few great dudes of Instagram. There's a lot of uh, shit bags out there, but Joey <laughs> is certainly not one of them. And, uh, I th- appreciate that. <laughs> of, of course, brother. Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, homie. And you just heard Joey from Ninja Toidles, and now we have Max. What is up? Ready to retro. Yes, that's me. <laughs> so this episode will be dropping the same day the episode I did with you guys on Three Ninjas. So this is very appropriate. Yeah. We're like uh, having an exchange. I guess that's only fair, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, and obviously I want to get all three of you guys on. Uh, you, Chris, Chelsea, uh as a unit because I feel like uh, that's going to be a good one. And I want to get like a breakdown of you guys. I want to know your favorite movies. I want to know your favorite music. And, and I feel like that's going to be a good one. Yeah, man, just let us know. And we're down. I mean, anytime where we get to hang out and be with you, we are super down. Hell yeah. So, uh, so not only is this episode dropping on July 31st, and the Three Ninjas episode that I did with you guys for Ready to Retro, available on Spotify, iTunes, etc. Yes, yes. Uh, Shameless plug. Yes. <laughs> and Ready Number Two Retro on Instagram. Uh, it's all. It also coincides with the 33rd anniversary of the release of 1987's The Lost Boys, which is, of course, the topic that brings us together today to uh, hear some testimonials and some fan talk on this uh this uh, pretty timeless uh, film. Absolutely. So, yeah. so when Max, when was the first time that you saw the Lost Boys? That's a good question. I was trying to think about that. I don't remember because it's like one of those movies where you've seen it so many times. It's like how can I pinpoint the first time for me? Right. Uh, I would uh, imagine it was probably in junior high because that's when I was really diving into like eighties movies. Uh, 80s music and especially like horror movies so that coincides with that so i would say probably junior high so about like uh 2002 probably 2001 2002 yeah i kind of talked about this with uh my friend brian who was on the uh the last episode uh they're kind of uh the tyler brothers brian and eric are kind of the the ever occurring co-hosts whenever i can tack them down um but but brian and i uh kind of agreed on the same thing you don't remember exactly when you've seen it it all it feels like it was always in your orbit at some point Mm -hmm. and uh and this movie is timeless and so, so do you remember did you like see it on tv possibly was it like a vhs (laughs) you know what man i might have um I might have actually kind of ripped it on the on the internet nice. at being twelve or something like that. Little yeah. LimeWire or what? Um, it was probably yeah. LimeWire or Napster <laughs> or something like that. Because uh, it's like right. I remember like being in early high school. It's like two thousand five, watching so much um, horror movies on YouTube. So this was a little before that. But I want to say like I saw it probably the first time on like VH ones. Uh, I love the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is this movie, you know, or something like that? I remember seeing it. It was highlighted on something like that. I don't even know. And I remember like just watching it, and um, I remember just loving it right off the bat. I mean, just the first scene alone hooked me. 
you know, with the with the rolling shot over the sea into um, you just see the boardwalk and then like someone dies in the first five minutes, the security guard or cop or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. Good music. Awesome atmosphere. Dude dies in the first five minutes. I'm in. It, it was uh, it's an interesting film because it blends. I feel like some of the best movies and the most timeless movies blend several genres. So this obvi- obviously blended horror and comedy and, you know, action adventure, too, because originally it was slated to be a Goonies with Fangs younger movie. And it, it kind of morphed into like an, an older teen, you know, sexy comedy type right. gimmick thing. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it's it it had opportunities that certain horror movies aren't afforded Uh a young cast with real talent in like say Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Gertz, Jason Patrick, like people, actors and actresses who are like, and Diane Weiss who had just come off of winning an Academy Award. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think what I love about this movie in particular, it's really, I would say one of the first times you look in, in horror history where the monster is actually like attractive and you want to be like the monster yes. right uh especially i mean let's just look at like vampire movies you start with uh nosferatu he's hideous ugly you don't want to be like that and then you go to bella lugosi with dracula same thing uh, even the hammer films like it's kind of cool but it's like when you see david and the gang you know it there's just this atmosphere just coolness and you're like dude i want to be part of that group yeah you know, i want to be in the leather jacket with like the <laughs> with the gloves the fingerless gloves <laughs> like, a, a dangly you know I mean? like a dangly bowling. earring yeah. <laughs> absolutely you know uh i feel like lonely island yeah. fingerless gloves. <laughs> like i would be so down you know and i think that's so cool is because they're like almost like an well they're not a hero at all they're the villains but they're so cool and you want to be like them. Yeah, they were like anti-heroes. It was so... Yeah. They, and, and that was the whole goal of uh, the makeup. The makeup wasn't over-exaggerated to make them right. seem monstrous. It was little prosthetic pieces above the eyebrows, a little on the high cheekbones, and the contact lenses. Uh, and that's and that's all. And, and they maintained their human element, but were still evil enough but maintained like, you know, to be good looking where girls wanted to be star and guys wanted to be David or Marco or Dwayne or Paul. And, uh, it just, ha- it, you nailed it when you said it too. It holds like a cool factor mm-hmm. that, uh, Absolutely. that horror. I was gonna say that- oh, no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that's what originally like drew me to it was like being like 12, 13. I was like, Oh, these guys are cool. Right, like that was my idea. Yeah, <laughs> like, really cool. And I think like uh, that's why in college, like I had this crazy like '80s haircut. I think we were we talked about, about the mohawk. Yes, of yeah, course. We were talking about that in, in, in our episode, but it was like this like mohawk kind of uh, crazy mullet thing, and it was like you know I I could get by being in the Lost Boys, yeah. you know, vampire David crew. You know, I want to drink that cup. Yeah. you know, the blood. Like I'm I'm down. Sign me up. <laughs> So great. And it's, uh, you know, it's, do you, do you have like a scene that 
kind of has stuck that stuck out to you that kind of like when someone says the lost boys to you is there like one specific scene that you think of yeah honestly i think i said it. it's just the beginning i just yeah i, I love the beginning scene which is the the music and the it's just like the synths and the it sets a tone bass. for the whole movie yeah and then just just the overshot and then you just see you know the boardwalk it almost feels like you're trapped in that city and i and i love it just the way cinematography or uh yeah the cinematography of it is cinematically they're like creating it and you're saying okay you're like trapped in this with the lost boys this is their land this is where they're here to play this is where they rule and i'm just like i love that of course you know the boys and um you know with the <laughs> with with the uh holy water and, and things like that and um another scene i think it would scare the crap of me as a kid was when uh they stab marco and he wakes up in the cave and oh they're yeah like awake and they're like oh get out of there you know because it's like oh it's daytime and you know vampires aren't supposed to be awake in the daytime uh, i love that scene too for them but, to yeah. go like to to like extreme like hilarity like in hilarious scenes like when they're in the perfect example so the 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 frog brothers and sam have have just escaped after staking marco and literally like and we don't know and i discussed this with joey too you know do we know if the frog brothers have ever actually seen vampires they say that they're vampire hunters but by their reactions they're like holy shit this you know no my my understanding is they're like They've, they've never encountered vampires. It's all just right. talk, right? It's just all, like, uh, theory and myth. And I I would even... Because you think about that age, right? You, you're trying to, like, whether 14, 15, maybe 13. And, and you're going to say things that is going to pump you up or, or make you look older and more mature. Right. So, like, sure, we're vampire hunters, you know? Like, we're big and bad. Um my understanding, and every time I watch the movie, I'm like, these these dudes are, are totally, you know, it's way over the head. They have no expertise in this. Right. <laughs> I mean, they do, they do know the like the the rules and stuff, uh, but as far as actual experience, nah, I didn't get that vibe. They they're like the exterminators that like, oh, you have a rat infestation? Yeah, we got it. And they get down to the basement and they're like, holy shit, there's rats everywhere. <laughs> But somehow they manage to handle the situation. They're like, right. how much are we going to charge him for this? Right, you know? right. It's like almost like Ghostbusters, right? Yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> it's like they come out the basement. Hey, did you, did you know that there's rats under yeah. your house? You, you should really take care of that. That's a problem. But you can go from like that super intense, like loud vampires waking up because one of their own just got staked by the Frog Brothers. And then six minutes later... They're riding their BMX bikes up to the church while there's like a christening happening, and right. and they're filling up their they're filling up their canteens with the holy water, like so hilarious, like absolutely. It, it, and that's what's funny about it, and that's what's you know endearing about it is it it's serious to them, the characters, but the movie doesn't take itself serious, right? And that's actually what comedy is, like one hundred percent. Good comedy is the character is always serious, but everything around them knows that they're a joke. Exactly. Right? So, like, Ace Ventura. Perfect example. Ace Ventura's out there. He's ridiculous. He thinks he's, like, 
genius, right? Like he's the smartest person in the room, which he probably is. Yeah. <laughs> but his mannerisms and everything, his methods, it's so crazy. But he's serious, you know, the way he's like talking to dolphins or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's just him being. Um, I was gonna say Jim Carrey. That's just him being Ace Ventura. But you know, everything else, and that's what's good comedy. Oh, I mean Chevy Chase as well. You know, yeah. he doesn't in any movie in the the National Lampoon's movies. He isn't like he isn't trying to be funny. Mm-mm. He is just the joke, but he thinks he's just trying to be a serious dad. You know, exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, this movie I think is is timeless, and I feel like anybody who I feel like anybody who's seen this film, it's very hard for them to be like, oh yeah, Lost Boys is cool. I like Lost Boys. I feel like people are like, yo, Lost Boys is awesome. That's true. Huh? That's true. I mean, I don't know how many people you've had doing these testimonials, but I'm sure there's there's many people who would come on here and, you know, you could have a whole podcast what, about uh, just talking about the Lost Boys. I've contemplated it, believe me. <laughs> it's, uh, it is my, it's my favorite movie of all time. For sure. Uh, so... You know, is there so is there a specific character that always stuck out to you that you were like, that's the dude, that that's the guy? I don't know. Like for me, I've always liked like monsters, and I've always liked kind of the bad guy. So I think it was just Keith or Sutherland. Just he looks so cool. Like just one hundred like mullet and just like David just seems so cool. Like he was just like, yeah. I, I would roll, like I said, I, I would roll with David, you know, I just, I, it, was, it was cool. I just, he had this presence and he had like this sexy vibe going on. And he's like, 100%. I'm with that. <laughs> he, so, it, I mean, on top of having the best hair in the film. Now it, it was funny cause we were all boasting on episode two about how great Kiefer's hair is. And, right. and, uh, my girlfriend has seen the, the film before and she's a horror movie fan, but she's more to like paranormal and stuff like that she isn't super into 80s stuff so i I was re-watching it with her just you know for the millionth time just to make sure i didn't miss something that i wanted to bring up i took notes and stuff uh and uh and i'm sitting there and she's just like who told him to have his hair like that the hair looks awful and i was just like what what are you talking about that's literally the best hair in cinema ever absolutely absolutely and um you know, Marco's cool too. Alex Winter, another I great, just, another great head of hair. He's, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm a hair guy. I'm a super hair guy. Oh yeah. Um, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why we're we're big on the Kiefer thing. Is that it kind of resembled like a you know it was the mullet, so it wasn't a mohawk, but it was getting there. Right. And of course the uh, you know the the original sexy sax guy. I mean. Tim Capella. <laughs> oh, I mean just. Has anyone seen moves like that? Well, one, pink spandex, a, like, big, like, hooker hoop chain belt, like, just sweating, ta- tanner than Sting in 97. Right, he looks like a wrestler, <laughs> yeah. like, straight up. It's like a gimmick, you know? Oh, 100%. <laughs> He's got the ponytail like Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was a sexy He's boy. <laughs> One, he was uh, actually the saxophonist in the touring, uh, like keyboardist for Tina Turner's uh, solo really? project. Okay. Yeah, That's so funny. so he so he had he had street cred too. Right, I think that <laughs> I think that uh, scene kind it kind of date it totally dates itself. Oh but yeah, but for yeah. me, I'm like yes. Oh yeah. Yes, 
I love it. This is 80s. This is ridiculous. Like, he's all just oiled up, and he's just going to town on it. I'm like, we, we need a spinoff. Like, what's this guy up to? So, so in the... <laughs> I've only read, like excerpts from like online and stuff but in the lost boys comic where they continue the story he yeah. plays like a sage-like role in the comic right. so yeah, I, I i have the first one there's like i'm trying to remember i totally forgot i had i have so many comics but there's like the girls right there's like girls they're vampires yes yes Yes. That yes. was that was loosely like going to be Joel Schumacher wanted to do the sequel he wanted to do was The Lost Girls where the right. f- the script was flipped and it was going to be, you know, a girl biker gang. Yeah. No, I that's that's dope. It was way better than what the crap we got. That was awful. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> and I tried to like uh, I try to like it, but it's just... I mean, I, I appreciate it for what it is, because I just like the lore of the Lost Boys. And, and like, the, the the two deleted scenes are the best thing about Lost Boys, the tribe. One, you have Alan Frog, who is, like, has long hair. He looks like he's in, like, I don't know, like, ministry or something. Uh, and uh, he's, like, riding in a blacked-out car, like, watching radar so he could drive in the sun. And he's, like, a vampire... And I was just like, yeah. that would have been sick if that was the whole, like, thing. No. I just, I remember watching that. I was just like, this is terrible. Like, it's just bad. Like, it, it is a straight-to-DVD type of Yeah, movie. they and just waited. Just like, they waited too oh. long to do it. They didn't have the right people in in order, and it was unfortunate. Right. And, oh, I was going to say, my other favorite character is Laddie. I mean, if he's a kid vampire. And when he comes out, oh, yeah. he's all, like, suited, like, he's a shaka! Yeah. Like, I would be so scared of a freaking, like, seven-year-old vampire is chasing me, like, biting my ankles. Oh, like, no, he, he was, like, for some reason, he was, like, extra creepy because he was, like, you know, just a, a younger kid. Yeah. And, uh, cool. so, here's one. Favorite death. What was your favorite death in the film? I think, I think it is Marco because of the situation around him. Right. The setting, right? yeah. Like, it, and it's just, it, it's hilarious. And then they're, like, freaking out, right? Because you're like, all right, like, what are these kids going to do? And you're kind of, like, scared. And then the way he opens his eyes, too. Oh, yeah. And, and, like, everyone wakes up. I don't know. It's just, to me, like, you ask that question, and that's the first thing that comes to my mind was just that, that Marco scene. And that's just, like... Talk about they they did the the tone for that so well because is there literally anything more scary than you're there at a vampire cave going to stake a vampire and then they all wake up freaking out after you stake one of them like it's the most intense scene ever. Right. It's like yeah we took out one but what about the rest of them? <laughs> yeah exactly. And uh, so do you have. Uh, do you have a favorite song? There's this. The soundtrack is great. Do you have like a favorite song? Is it you know? Is it the G. Tom Mac original, "Cry Little Sister"? Um, I feel like it changes depending on what year it is. But I actually want to um, tell you a story. Absolutely, quickly, absolutely um, about the soundtrack. So I've been looking for it on vinyl for years now. And it's always like 25, 30 bucks. And it's just like not even in the greatest quality uh, condition. Um, you know, there's like ring rare on the vinyl. I just I wanted a nice vinyl. And, and I, when, 
when I come when I buy vinyls and stuff like I'm cheap you know like I, I get it but like it's hard for me to like drop 30 bucks or, or anything like yeah. that yeah so I turned 30 this past April and that's when um, COVID really hit and it right. was like um, you know we didn't know what to do for my birthday I'm 30 I'm with my with my dad my sister and my wife and um, my dad he knew I've been looking for it and I opened up my present. I knew it was a vinyl and I opened it up and it's the Lost Boys soundtrack. Hell and yeah. He just, he just looked at me. He's like, I actually had it. I've had it. I thought I had it, but I looked for it. He's like, I've had this copy since like the early nineties. It's yours. And I'm just like, yes. You know, I, I was like, this is awesome. And I, <laughs> I got so many vinyls that, that day uh, for my birthday but uh, I know my dad really wanted to make it special, and uh, I got the the soundtrack on vinyl. That's that's awesome. I I too I owned a really rough copy of it for years, and I actually at, at our local record store here, I ended up finding a really nice copy for like six ninety nine, like something super super cheap. And I I think I actually paid more for the rough copy years and years ago when I was uh, you know a preteen. But yeah, it's a, a great soundtrack. I have to, like, I originally owned it on cassette. I still own the cassette. I own the CD. I own the vinyl. Like, I have to, I have to have those, those physical, those formats uh, of physical music for sure. That, so that's a perfect example. You just turned 30. For your 30th birthday, The Lost Boys is a movie that's that relevant to you where, you know, it's playing into your life in 2020. You know, 30, yeah. 33 years after the release of the film, uh, a year before I was born, a few years before you were born, and it's still that important and that relevant of a film. Absolutely. And, you know, to answer your question, right now, it's got to be Lost in the Shadows. Oh, I mean, like, that Lou Graham <laughs> banger, man. The banger. When I put it on, it's like, Lost in the Shadows. I'm like, yes, just crank it. So, so you'll enjoy, you'll enjoy the, the very end of the episode one then. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I'm like halfway through it. I got to finish it. Uh, these legacy week is, it's awesome, man. I can't wait to listen to all of it. Yeah, man. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on and this is, uh, this has been awesome. And I guess it, as a closing, uh, you know, statement, what, it, what is, what do you think the, the legacy of the Lost Boys is to, to you? What do you think the legacy of the Lost Boys is? Yeah, I mean, we're still talking about it right now. So I think the legacy will just continue. Um, for all purposes, I mean, you and I are around the same age. We shouldn't, in reality, be talking about this movie because we weren't contemporary, you know? Right. Uh, I was, we were both, I think, born after. You were born in 88, right? Yep. Yeah, so I was born in 90. Um, so even the fact that we're having this conversation right now, I think, shows the legacy because movies don't get popular really after the fact it only keeps getting built up so i think it's going to be like a, a snowball effect and there's so many like pop figures and stuff and and once i think you see pop figures you're like all right i know there's a bunch but you know it's marketable and you know there's uh, a huge fan base and you know there's like a, a legacy behind that so um i think that this is not just a movie where it's like reminiscing about the 80s oh how great the 80s are i think it, it even now it's just how cool is this movie how cool is um 
you know, the leather, the, 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 the slang, or even the way they filmed it. Um, even kids actors, you know, like kid actors right now, they're not, I mean, aside from like stranger things. Well, yeah, there's a, exactly. There's not a whole lot of, you know, really great kid actors so. the, that are pulling yeah. off like those performances, like say a frog brothers or, you know, Corey Hamas, Sam Emerson, they're, and you literally took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, probably save for the Stranger Things kids, which, right. I mean, they, for, for all intents and, and purposes, are, you know, the child stars of right now. Right. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know any other group. They are right. like a group that I hope continues to, you know, make films into adulthood and, and hopefully some, uh, some classics, but, uh, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't have said it better, you know, all these years later, you know, we weren't born, we didn't go see this movie in theaters or anything like that, but I, I feel like people like you and I who found it, you know, on VHS or on TV or downloading off the internet or anything like that, that is, we're the people that are keeping it alive, there's generations that this getting this is getting passed down to that are just, as you said, snowballing this into, you know... <laughs> I mean, it sounds like we could laugh and kind of chuckle about it, but like in 30 years, The Lost Boys is a Casablanca type film for for our generation. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, or even like the how we are so fond of like the Universal movies, right? We could look at The Lost Boys and be like, you know, those 80s horror films are so great. And The Lost Boys is one of them. Yeah, they do it now. So as you said, it's only going to get the lure and the mystique and the the love for these films and specifically the lost boys is only going to grow absolutely well all right man i appreciate you coming on uh and uh talking about this i know chelsea is also a big lost boys fan and yes. uh so so when i do have you guys on maybe you guys can get chris to actually watch the lost boys so then <laughs> i can we can we can do justice and make sure chelsea gets to do her testimonial and we'll get chris's opinion on it yeah, we're we're working on it. So hey, that's that's a good point, and I love that my cousin Chris. I don't know his nostalgic movies are like Meet the Deedles and like <laughs> I don't know. Like oh, I love Disney it. Disney ch- Channel. It's so great because like Chelsea and I are like, what kind of childhood did you have? You know, and and, and I'm his cousin. I knew what his childhood was like, and I was like, oh, it makes sense. I'm just kidding, but uh, but it, it's cool because there's a lot of things that are just staples in our childhood, uh, for like Chelsea and I. That like Chris, as an adult, is totally coming into it, and who knows? Maybe we get Chris hooked on uh, Lost Boys, and he can continue that legacy. Oh, this is uh, this is gonna be great. I look forward to having this conversation. Like I said, awesome. uh, I'm pumped to uh, have all three of you guys on, uh, and uh, so. You have uh, you guys drop every Friday. You guys drop new episodes, yeah. correct? Yes, we per- try to at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I- I'm not so as much organized. I'm just trying to drop them whenever I can. Uh, yeah. But but regardless, yes. Uh, so this is dropping the same day as the episode I did with you called Three, Three Ninja- Ninjas, baby. Uh, a very fun episode. I, again, I thank you for having me on that, and I was pumped to have you on this, and I look forward to having the entire Ready to Retro crew on the Heart Guy Media podcast to discuss many things. Absolutely, dude. All right, man. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of the Lost Boys Legacy Week. And 
here is another testimonials uh talk slash uh fandom fanning out whatever you want to call it we got dan tur of inked up merch a good friend uh dan what's up what's going on jesse how are you uh, I'm good, man. Uh, and uh, before we uh, jump into the Lost Boys talk, uh, how have you liked it? You've kind of delved into it. hasn't been necessarily uh, podcasting, but you've been doing uh, a vendor's vaccine, which are Instagram live videos with various vendors during this pandemic. And uh, it's been awesome to watch over the last few months. I know you just uh, came back after a brief break, but uh, how's that been being able to talk to fellow creators screen printers art designers uh vendors of all types how's that been man it's been a lot of fun um i i i hope you know that there's there's a couple missions uh or reasonings why I, I decided to do this and uh one was you know it was all about when the pandemic hit to try and drop some business for some of my 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 horror vendor artist you know, within that, that community, drawing some business for them um, in hopes that people would tune in and, and, and catch, uh, you know, a new artist or vendor, whatever, what have you, and, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, shell out a buck or two on some of their, uh, on some of their merch and their items that they sell, um, you know, not being pushy about it at all, but, you know, just, you know, just bringing some, some uh, spotlight to them. Um, and then, you know, just, uh, I, 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 my other reasoning behind it was kind of just to kind of get together with horror friends and like yourself, like like you and and others, and just kind of like for an hour or two or sometimes three hours, um, <laughs> just uh, kind of nerd out on some horror, forget everything else that's going out in the world. Not that it's not important, um, but we do need to. Uh, you need Would to you not be like break? glued to the TV and hanging hanging on every word of the dreariness of what's going on. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, uh, we got to enjoy life still, um, and I hope <clears throat> I hope you know it's been working for the guests I've had on and and, and people like yourself that chime in. Um, it's been just a lot of fun. Now I have to take a break just because work really got crazy, and I'm pretty much a one man operation. Um, and I'm not complaining about that at all. I'm very thankful to everyone that, that, you know, uh, comes to me for, for their, uh, you know, services for embroidery or screen printing or, or buy something from the Etsy shop. I really appreciate that. I just didn't want it to be like a chore, um, doing this series. So, you know, uh, you know, it, it does it, whether I take a month off or don't take a month off, I, I don't really, you know, it's all for fun and, and and hope, hopefully at, at the end of the day, uh, drumming up some business for some of my friends. Yeah. And, uh, I definitely think it has, I, I know I've, uh, either found or rediscovered people and, and seen like art prints or just like, um, little merch shops that they have. And I was just like, Oh shit, I remember this. I remember seeing this at a con. I never, you know, looped back around to their table. And, uh, I think once, once you started the vendors vaccine after like week four, I was, uh, I was getting packages in the mail, so it, 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 I know I know I was buying stuff. So awesome, man! I'm glad to hear that. You know, um, you know, and like I said, you know, you know, you can't buy something now. I totally get that from my standpoint. I'm sure everyone else I totally guess that understand it too. You know, on another uh, on the flip of the coin, you could just you know bookmark these people and and 
and when your finances get better, maybe uh, shell out something, you know? Absolutely. Um, I, I totally get, you know, people saying, you know, I, I can't, uh, can't afford this right now. I was, I was just on a, um, on a, uh, board of ed, uh, zoom meeting yesterday in my uh, district and, uh, a lot of, a lot of parents struggling, man, you know? Uh, so finances are, very important. <laughs> well, they always have been, but more important than ever. Oh, definitely. For sure. We'll get back to the business at hand, though. We are talking yeah. The Lost Boys. It turns 33 years old the day this episode drops. And uh, uh, right off the bat, man, you're, you got, a, you got a, a presidential term or two ahead of me. I think a presidential term and a half-ish, uh, something like that. So you... Uh, when was the first time that you saw the Lost Boys? When did it come onto your radar? Wow, that's that's tough. Uh, the, you know, the older I get, the worse. I'm, my my memory's always been awful, but <laughs> the older I get, it gets even worse. I'm try, I'm gonna say. I mean, I I I can vaguely remember drops of the title, or maybe even a trailer. Um, back around when it came out in 87, um, I was terrified of horror movies at that, that, at that age for sure. So I definitely didn't see it until much years later. I want to say maybe I caught it in like the mid late nineties, maybe. Um, uh, that's, that's about as, as much as I can remember. Um, and after that, it was just love at first sight. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had talked about this, and this seems uh, ever recurring, is the gloriousness of the 90s VHS home video uh, craze. It Everyone, it, it seems like, got introduced, uh, even though everyone, obviously the 80s are revered as, you know, the, the golden age of horror, but the 90s were too because all these movies were coming out on VHS and video stores were super active. It was a banging business. So all these films that you necessarily couldn't see or couldn't find, you know, they weren't always showing like street trash on Cinemax and things like that. So eventually, you know, films, and obviously Lost Boys is is a much bigger budget film and was successful in the box office. But these films whether they did good in theaters, whether they had wider or smaller theatrical releases, they really found new eyes and and built cult statuses beyond their theatrical or non-theatrical runs because of the 90s and VHSs. That, that, you, know, you made such an interesting point that I'd never thought of before. And that's when you said that... that the, well, first off, I agree with the 90s uh, statement. Uh, movies alone, you know, uh, I think they're starting to get a little more love. But what you said about the '80s movies being released on VHS and, and, and getting to see them for the first time—that's such a great point. I'd never thought about that before. Um, that's solid, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, I went out in '87. I can't remember how young I was. You know, I don't even think I was in double digits yet, but uh, or close to it, maybe. But uh, I was terrified. 
I was terrified of movies. So it was nice, you know, to have the availability later on in the nineties when I, uh, somehow went from terrified to being a fanatic of horror, um, to have the, uh, you know, uh, uh, some kind of outlet, you know, cause I sure as hell wasn't going to go see it in the theater, you know, anytime soon. And it's, you know, it's a movie that reeks of the eighties. It's very eighties. Uh, uh, you know, at the same time, it, it remains timeless. It doesn't feel, it doesn't always feel, at least for, from my, from my, uh, experience, whenever I watch it, I'm obviously engulfed and, and it's soaking with the eighties, but it doesn't feel like it's super dated because it's so entertaining. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. It, 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 it's, I watch it and it's like you said, it's, it's saturated with eighties, but it takes me back. I, I mean, I don't think when you say something is dated, it's necessarily a bad thing all the time when you say something. I mean, it's to me, yeah, it's dated, but that's so it's, that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's a place in time. Um, that we, uh, that a lot of us, not even just horror fans, but people in general from our generations like and enjoy. And we, we watch this film and for the, you know, uh, hour and 37 minute running time, uh, everything's forgotten and you're, you're sucked into this, into this time warp. Yeah. So, it, so, it, but, but I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm just, I guess maybe I'm just rewarding it and, and just, no, I completely understand what you're saying. I, I guess I guess maybe my point, uh, by saying, I guess using the, the term dated, it does uh, give like a negative connotation to it, but I guess for the fact that like this movie has has been like super close to me, so I don't only, I don't only like think like, oh, this is uh, an 80s movie or something like that. I guess I remember it in, in several different time periods because it's been so integral and a lot of movies have that you remember several different time periods. So I remember being a, a really young kid watching it. I remember being like a preteen watching it in like summers, like going into, you know, like uh, middle school and things like that. And then I remember like high school years and I remember uh, experiencing it and showing certain people at, uh, in my life at a certain time in like, you know, 2003, 2004 when I was in high school. And then. And then even in my 20s, showing people that, you know, were my age and they're like, I've never seen The Lost Boys. And it was like one of those things where you're tr trying to, like, expose people to this film and they fall in love with it. So I guess it, that's why I, I guess I say it doesn't feel dated to me because it seems like it's super relevant still. I'm still, like, finding people that are discovering the film every decade. And I guess that's what I, th that's what I was trying to say where it doesn't feel like it's... It's oh, it's just this older '80s movie. It has uh, you know a legacy. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think the word "relevant" is definitely a better term. I completely agree with that, and and I see what you're saying now. Um, it's so relevant, um, um, you know. Uh, and 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 to to make kind of, <laughs> you know, this is kind of reminding me because I think off 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 the air when we were talking. Uh, I had my friend Chris uh, Enriquez on the last episode of Vendor's Vaccine, and one of his favorite films is Lost Boys that we talked about. Uh, quick story, he, he lives in Brooklyn, and he says, I shit you not, I see people dressed like the vampires <laughs> every day. The, so that, the, that, the long trench coats and... Well, yeah, yeah, that, and I guess the mullets and, like, you know... It, it, 
yeah, you never know what's new with hipsters, you know. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't keep up. Um, so you know what? It, it, it kind of it, it kind of hasn't been dated in, in that sort in that fashion. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing with the uh, fashion too. What's old is new. Every like six or seven years, like you know, I saw like n- the last few years we've seen like '90s like fashion come back, and I never thought I would see people in 2020 rolling around with like an old navy tech vest on. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the hardcore scene, man. <laughs> yeah, that threw me for a loop when I uh, like. I think last year I went to went to a show and I walked in and I literally thought I was like at a I was at like a catering party for Dawson's Creek for a moment. <laughs> there was the haircuts too, the like middle part, the Brecken Meyer middle part. I was like, what's going on there? You know, one thing I haven't seen yet, maybe just because I'm not like you know, we're generally as people we don't like look down unless you're like a hardcore sneakerhead. Right. Do, have you noticed? I haven't noticed yet, but, but maybe you have. I haven't seen. Are, are they doing the cuffs too with the pants? Are they doing that where they they cuff up the pants? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. With like yeah, with least, like ca- the- khaki like khaki pants too. Not even like jeans. They haven't brought the Jinko jeans back yet. But well, hasn't Japan though? I thought Japan brought it back. <laughs> did, did they really? I, I'm pretty sure Japan. No, for, for real. I think Japan uh, bought out Jankos. Some company uh, in Japan bought out Jankos, and you could buy them. We'll have to find out after after the. Uh, oh yeah, that's a rabbit hole. Fun. We got to go down. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like so the fashion, like '80s fashion, I feel like every few years uh, comes back into play in the mainstream as well. So yeah. and I feel like every it it, it almost feels like. The 80s, obviously, is the, the golden age of just cinema, period. You know, just doing um, doing uh, the Goonies Legacy Week last month and seeing, because it's the 35th anniversary of that film, the amount of people, you know, they got, uh, you know, they're doing the, uh, whatever you want to call them, Zoom calls, like Josh Gad did a Zoom call. He got Steven Spielberg on it, Corey Feldman, Sean Astin, Josh Brolin. He got everyone from the Goonies on this Zoom call during the pandemic. And it, it got, like, something crazy, like, over a million views in, like, less than an hour or something crazy. Like, wow. that's how, like, I mean, that the movie's 35 years old. Like, yeah. and people are still, like, you say the name Corey Feldman, people know who Corey Feldman is. Obviously, there's some stuff that he's been involved with trying to out certain things that has kept his name in the news as well. But talking strictly about the, you know, the two Corey's, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, who's still like active and all these people that are still relevant. Um, and it always comes back like Kiefer. I was watching a, a panel with Jason Patrick and Kiefer from a few years ago. And Kiefer goes, it always comes back to Lost Boys, no matter what. He's like, 24 was like one of the biggest shows on TV. He's like, I had done so much. Every time he goes, one constant is always the Lost Boys. It always comes back to the Lost Boys. That's so awesome. And it makes sense. Oh, yeah. it's uh, And the the movie, you know, it, it, it cost eight and a half million to make. It made a little more than 32. So it was a successful film. Uh but I was uh, trying to dig it up, and I found interviews confirming it. No actual numbers. I would love to get some, try to dive in some actual numbers. But it was a top five VHS seller for Warner Brothers throughout the '90s. Yeah, I could see that too. And uh, you know, 
and like I said, so many people I've, I've said on these episodes is it just keeps getting rediscovered every every five or so years. There's a new crop of kids that haven't seen it or have heard about it. And uh, it, it, it's because the movie's so entertaining. So with that, you know, do you have do you have a favorite character that you just think is the, the show stealer of the film? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's really not tough. I, 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 yeah, you have to lean towards David Kiefer Sutherland. One hundred percent. I have to. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's such an obvious answer, but I don't know what what everyone else has said, but uh, his performance. Um, he doesn't even have a lot of dialogue. That's what's really interesting. He doesn't, and that, that just shows you something about him as an actor, man. Oh yeah, top um, top notch. He he does his character the best to, to to its ability he nails the role um he shows you he's in charge uh he shows you um man there's so much emotion in his character but he doesn't necessarily show it at he's kind of got a, a poker face yeah exactly He's got. Yeah, he has the the but, entire character has this vibe that I don't know if any other actor at the time could have captured. Yeah, he's got like a poker face, but like, you know, he shows you when he's pissed off. He, he shows you when he he's vulnerable. Um, you know, and, and he's not completely unstoppable. Um, you know, he almost you kind of you feel for him at times, which is like, why why would I do that? But you do. Um. You know, it's interesting that we don't get backstories on the whole, the whole like gang of of how they became vampires. You know, yeah, um, it's very it's very opaque as far as any kind of backstory. You just know, okay, these guys are vampires. You get a little, you got kind of got to write your own conclusions. But like Chance Michael Corbett, who plays uh, Laddie, the you know the 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 youngest. You, you kind of you see his face on the milk carton in uh in the house right. so you right. know that he obviously went missing and he's like a star's adoptive son brother and but you don't really and you know that like okay so star and david like are obviously like kind of a thing like he probably indoctrinated her into the 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 vampiric lifestyle but at the same time she's still half and then kind of comes together at the end when max is like you know you know trying to make a big huge uh, vampire family yeah yeah i guess you could kind of say like it started with max at least in in santa santa clarita what's it called santa clarita santa uh santa carla santa carla i always think once it Clarita for some reason I don't know there's so many Santas oh yeah and uh, and <laughs> it was you know it was fil- it was filmed in Santa Cruz um and they were going to use Santa Cruz up until a certain point but the uh, right. the city obviously didn't like them uh labeling them city of Santa Cruz with the moniker of uh, murder capital of the world so the world? they uh, they come they came up with the uh, fictional Santa Carla I did go to the uh the actual location of the amusement park and it's it hasn't changed. Yeah, okay. it yeah. Amazing. Joey from uh, Ninja Toitles, who was also on this episode, uh, went there. He sent me a little video, and he said that he went, and when he was there, he heard the music, and he was just like, wow, this is, what's going on? This feels weird. And it was the same music, so they didn't doctor in, like, 
a weird effect for the merry-go-round on the boardwalk. That was the actual music. Huh. That's cool. See, I didn't get to dive in that much. I was on a, uh, I was on a trip on P- on the PCH, and I told my wife, I said, oh, we're stopping here. So we kind of just did like a drive-by. So I didn't get to really dive in uh, like he did, but that's that's awesome to know too. Wow. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the Pacific Coast Highway, too, because I mentioned that in um, the last episode where I said that those crane shots of the beach in the ocean look so great. And we've seen like I knew I knew it was close to the Pacific Coast. Uh, you know, it ran on near the Pacific Coast Highway. And I talked about how you see like amazing crane shots of the Pacific Coast Highway oh, in, th- in things yeah. like uh, I know what you did last summer. I know there's a, a beautiful yeah. like shot of the Pacific Coast Highway there. I, I think it's like that's the only shot that's like filmed there too. Like the rest of it's like in right. the actual location, like North Carolina, right? It's like that. So there's a lot of memorable scenes in this film. Uh, you know, do you have one or two? F- uh, scenes that always stuck out to you or scenes that you imme- when someone says Lost Boys to you, is there a scene that you immediately think of? Uh, you know what? Uh, again, I hate to sound so boring about this, but Tim Capelow, man. Oh, hell yeah. You know, uh, that that scene, um, I, I just released an, an item uh, you know, with a, a lyric from, from that song. And, 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 uh, Which is amazing, by the way. You can get that uh, inked up <laughs> merch. Yeah. So that was like, I was like uh, uh, some, some shitty advertising. Um, but, um, you know, that, that, that's probably, you know what? I wouldn't, it's definitely one of my favorite scenes. My favorite scene? Oh, man. It's so tough. It's like the the entire hour, thirty minutes is is, is my favorite scene. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I really, I guess, you know, maybe maybe the battle. All right, two scenes, two scenes that stick out. I'm gonna cheat here, and sorry about my rambling. No, you're good. The the, the final battle between David and Michael. Um. Um, a, it's it's a great it's a it's a great um, it's a great final act. Great showdown between the two. The you great know the showdown. good and the bad. You know it's going to happen, but it's done really well. And B, the technicalities for 1987 to have them like flying through through Grandpa's house, and it all looks real for yeah. 1987. Phenomenal work. It, that's um, that's what's interesting about this film too. I feel like you couldn't. You you can't get this. You couldn't get this style of film. You, we didn't get it before, and we wouldn't get it after because it's you know a higher budget film. It mixes comedy, horror, like action and adventure. But we're also you know there's a family drama element in there. But also with the effects, the makeup effects are subtle, and then the actual effects of them you know on the the little ripcord things running around, or running around and getting flown through this. Uh, you know, grandpa's house, you know, we wouldn't get that now. We would get something super CGI'd and it just wouldn't look realistic. Yeah. This movie yes. looked realistic through, through and through. Yes, absolutely. And not to sound like, you know, practical is better, but, you know, yes, CGI would not, you wouldn't be able to sell me that, you know, that they, it wouldn't look as realistic. 
Yeah, it, uh, I mean, I don't care that, how great the CGI is, it, it just would not look as realistic. And the the cave scene when they're hanging upside down before they get staked and when they get staked, like that isn't like any kind of like trickery. They're literally hanging upside down with those like hard glass contact lenses that they could only have in their eyes for like up to seven minutes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. Those lenses. Yeah. And um, the, you know, it's, it, those lenses are archaic now, but that was before we had, you know, the pers- you could literally get them prescribed to you. Uh, you'd go get fitted for these lenses, like just to wear them for the entire uh, course of a film o- or now I bet you they don't even use lenses. I'm sure it's CGI'd. CGI, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. CGI can, you know, I'm not. I, I don't want to sound like I, I hate CGI, but no. In know, some it's, cases, it's it's, it's called when it's for. used unnecessarily and 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 uh, for pure laziness or to save a buck or two, it sucks, man. You want to do what's best for the film, and um, you know that's that's exactly what we get if we got a remake of this, which I'm. I would assume it's probably happening at some point. Yeah, unfortunately, it's inevitable. But yeah, that's like, I say it all the time about um, werewolf movies. We don't get a lot of them because I think studios, one, they're obviously not as popular as as, like vampire flicks. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to... uh, Two movies I compare is 2008 or 9's The Wolfman remake. I felt like that movie could have been so great, but the the CGI killed it for me. Yes, t- absolutely agree. I thought Del Toro was awesome. Yeah, um, but yeah, when he oh, that transformation was awful. And then you look at a movie that came out, I believe, in two thousand fourteen called uh, Late Phases, uh, awesome. Night of the Lone Wolf. How how awesome is that? And awesome. I mean, half the budget, and your werewolves look better on a little tiny, low-budget film like that than that multi-million-dollar, you know, flop that Universal put out. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping you were going to say late phases because I that Love that, that to me has probably probably been the best werewolf movie since. Wow, I, I don't know. It's. Maybe. I mean, what do we like? Maybe Teen Wolf. Yeah, you want to, you know that or, or American Werewolf in London to, to be more specific, I guess. Yeah, there's not really a lot of films that you know, like like we said. I think they're it's a it's even more uh, you know horror in and of itself gets niche. You know, they only touch like paranormal stuff now. Really, you know, they yeah. don't they don't they don't like monster movies. Yeah, I I, I think that all the time. Uh, there's between late phases and howl, which I'm sure you also saw. Oh yeah, those those have been the last two really good werewolf movies. But I, yeah, I think also to what you said, uh, the popularity isn't necessarily there, unfortunately, which stinks. Because um, I do love some werewolves, but um, oh, I can't forget Silver Bullet too. Oh, of course. Uh, um, but <laughs> get, getting off topic. Um, I did want to mention the other scene that I really love, and that's the train track scene. Oh, um, another classic, <laughs> just super memorable. Um, you know, that's that's kind of like on the poster. I have uh, the, the studio house poster that they put out years ago uh, where it's got like a silhouette of that scene. Oh, yeah, I got a flag hanging in the bedroom. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and 
again, you know, no CGI. It's like as if they are falling into a pit of darkness and it looks as real as can be. Uh, same thing with a train coming over by when probably they're just, I, I mean, you, you dive into more stuff than I do. I find a lot of times, so maybe, maybe you can chime in on how exactly they did that scene entirely. But I mean, you know, that train's obviously not coming over. Right, and, right. That obviously they're not falling into a, a you know, I would assume maybe they're falling into a, a foam pit or something like that, but you don't see it. You see, all you see is fog and, and mist. And, and, and the, like I said, when they're just hanging on to the, the, the train tracks and the trains come, you think that train is right above them. Yeah. And, and it's just, and it's a beautifully shot scene. It's so, so beautiful to watch, man. So that film, I mean, that's a credit to two people, uh, with how nice this film looks and how professional one is Michael Chapman, the, the DOP, the director of photography. He okay. was Scorsese's guy. He worked on raging bull. He was like, okay. a, he was a camera operator on the Godfather. You know, he, the dude has extreme credit, like, uh, in his field. Like he is, you know, one of the top guys. And, and of course, Joel Schumacher, like without him, I feel like, you know, the style is all him and the people that he put yes. into put into place to, you know, from set decorators to, and in the first episode, I ran down a list of everyone who has passed away. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the crew has passed away, but they were all, yeah. you know, a lot of them were picked by, by Joel and Joel's style really came through in this film. And, uh, that, that scene, the train track scene that was shot on the Warner lot, and the set, okay. the set was probably they were only like not even six. I think they were like four or five feet off the ground. You would, I would never think that it, <laughs> because they have all the the fog there. And so, so they brought the fog up. If you see the fog, you do see a little bit of like distance there, but um, between their feet and where the fog starts. But they just they got the camera way back and they shot it and it just it just works and you don't even realize that especially when they drop too they're not you know they're not even dropping like that far yeah yeah they, they just completely disappear uh it's you know if you can do that you could still do shots like that today and again not to go back to poo-pooing on cgi but it's like it's almost like do we not have people as crafted and talented as joel schumacher and and, and i'm sorry i don't recall the the uh dop's name you mentioned michael um, chapman yeah like is that like part of the problem and i don't want to there's plenty of great directors and dops of today but like is is that part of why we're, we're using cgi as well like, i i think so that i think that like uh I think just that school of how to make films, I think uh, to people who are getting into the film industry now, I think that they see it as tedious. I think studios see it as that's way too much work. We can just CGI it. Um, yeah. And they're unfortunately, when you get into the horror realm, um, obviously with like comic book movies and things like that, CGI is is the, the foundation of those films. Without it, there, there, there are no comic book movies now but with horror films the fact that we know we can make it look better if we spent a little extra time and had people that are dedicated to the craft and obviously there's less people out there that's why i think you know we get sour on cgi because it can look better we 
you know these studios just take the easy route yeah no another fair point you know uh, without cgi we have no comic book movies uh horror movies work better overall with practical effects um is do some of them require cgi absolutely um because you know comic book films and horror films kind of kind of go hand in hand in, in ways um but definitely horror films not needing as much of, of cgi used in a lot of situations yeah and uh it's it's a shame that uh you know sometimes it just comes down to budget and uh but um, oh, that that's why late phases who probably had a couple million, maybe a couple million dollar budget had better werewolves than a, you know, a movie that cost probably 45 million to make. Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, as, as we start to just kind of wrap this up, uh, you know, Dan, what do you in your eyes? What do you think the legacy of this movie is? Because. I mean, it, it's relevant to you right now uh, for two for a couple reasons. I can think is you own and operate inked up merchandise, and you do screen printing and embroidery. I have your maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots hat, and you just did, uh, you know, uh, uh, saxophone. I still believe, uh, obviously, a tribute to old Timmy Boy, and y- you know what I mean. It's still you're still printing you. As someone who's you know running this uh, ink, running inked up, you're making things for this film because the fandom is there and people want Lost Boys merchandise still in 2020. So in 2012, when I opened the Etsy shop, I actually put out the the first Lost Boys item I I, uh, I put up was was the Frog Brothers patch. Oh yeah, that, I, I know that. That one, yeah. patch I have not taken down to this day. Eight years. People are still buying it. Amazing. That just shows you that right there speaks to the legacy of the film. Right there, just uh, that. You know, um, I, I, I don't know what. There's never going. You know, there's certain films that cannot be replicated, and this is one of them. I know that's a very like uh, kind of generic statement, but it's so true. Uh, I, you know, there's there's a look, there, there's a feel um, that about this film that cannot be replicated. Um, uh, we saw what happened when they tried to do the two sequels, um, uh, which are, you know, <laughs> as as a huge Lost Boys fan, it's like, all right, it, it gave me something else to watch in the Lost Boys world, and, and I honestly do. I want to say I, give, I necessarily give credit, but. You know, I, I give a, well, nice try, you know, uh, of trying to keep that feel. Because I think they try to desperately, especially in the second sequel, um, really capture the feel of that, that time and the overall feel of the film. Uh, but it just... Obviously, it didn't happen. I, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen both. Obviously, yeah, um, yeah of course. And uh, uh, they, I compare them to um, like really shitty microwave pizza. It's Lost Boys related, so you're like, I mean, I'll, I'll have a slice. Like you know, it's right, right. pizza's pizza. Um. But at the same time, you know, there's a there's a far cry from, you know, the best slice 
in your local town to the you know the dollar celeste at dollar tree um and uh yeah. it's i mean it's cool because like there's a little bit of the lure there with uh you know the characters and things but i mean you just can't it's so hard to I mean, who know, if Joel Schumacher originally wanted to do The Lost Girls, which I know they touched upon in the, the comics that they did, um, but, you know, if they would have done that in, like, 91, a few years after, when right. the, maybe it, that it would have worked then. But you can't wait until 2007 to start filming, you know, a sequel to The Lost Boys, and then you get it done, and it comes out in 2008, directed video, and think that it's going to be, you know, live up to any kind of... It was doomed from the start, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's going direct to video, how much, how much passion did you have behind it? How much, you know, um, hope did you have behind it? Exactly. You, know, you didn't have much optimism at all, obviously. Um, but but straying away from the sequels, um, and back to the legacy, uh, something else that, that that you touched on uh, early on about, you know, it's kind of a multi-genre film. You got comedy, horror, uh, thriller, which, you know, horror and thriller kind of go hand in hand. But the comedy horror aspect, I, especially in the 80s, uh, seemed to be uh, very hard to sell. And examples of that are um, Monster Squad and then, of course, uh, Night of the Creeps. And two Fred Decker films. Fred Decker films, yeah. Um, Monster Squad, obviously, uh, I mean, they both are cult classics now, now as we speak, but when they came out, they, you know, they flopped. Um, and that that's because uh, you were saying, like, you can't, what was the target audience? And they didn't know what to, and as studios are today, as they were back then, they don't know what the fuck they're doing uh, still. So they'll make shitty trailers or they'll make the wrong choices of who to, who to push this towards. Um, you know, Lost Boys... Um, you know, did pretty well. I mean, compared to those two films, especially. Um, and there's something to say about that, you know, because we're still talking the same time frame as as Night of Creeps and and uh, Monster Squad, and Lost Boys was able to, to really nail it in. Did the studio do a better job of marketing? Maybe that's part of it. Um, um, did they know their target audience? I think so. Uh, it's rated R. Uh, it's got teenagers, 20 year olds in there. So, uh, you know, that's, there's something to say about that. Um, as the main characters, um, you've got the soundtrack that's drawing to that, to that, to that age group as well. Uh, in excess and, um, echo and the bunny men and, and others. Um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, they really they really were able to achieve what they wanted to achieve that was that was hard to do in that time. Yeah, it's, like you said, the, the contemporary films of the time that were trying to do the horror comedy thing, they, you know, it's, I look at it, like, there's few films that can real, that really nailed it. Be, be it they be successful or not, or have uh, different audiences or not. I look at Evil Dead 2. I think Evil Dead 2 was, uh, you know, you got two balls of yarn, comedy and horror, 
and you just weaved it perfectly. Absolutely. And, and and then you look at Lost Boys, same thing. But Lost Boys uh, wasn't just two balls of yarn. I, I feel like it was three or four. It was a it was a yes. teen it was a teen drama movie, but it was also a teenage vampire drama movie that also had comedy, had a soundtrack. So there's like you know music. Like I mean, for me, I I feel like if you in in the eighties. Or, or at any time frame, I feel like if you like Echo and the Bunnymen, your, your your musical palette isn't just like, I'm listening to what's popular and things like that. Now, Echo and the Bunnymen had some some success, but they were one of those bands where like, you're like a music person if you like Echo yep. and the Bunnymen type yep. thing. Oh, you, you na- nailed it to a T. And, and let's not forget the amazing cover that they do. Oh, that pro- maybe uh, one of the greatest covers I've ever heard. Ever. Oh God! I mean, it fits perfectly in, in that openings in okay. the opening to that film. Perfect. And that was all the musical selections for the entire soundtrack were made by one person, and it was Joel Schumacher. Rest in peace, man. What a Rest what in peace. What a legendary. Just on this film, even we we're, we don't even we're not even talking about his other films. It, which are are great, you know. You look at you know flatliners and and falling down, falling falling, falling down. down. I mean, come on, uh, another like another movie that like talk about a movie that just like hammered home and got that L.A. riots time period in L.A. feel perfectly. Yeah. Oh my god, like that's just a, a, another you know testament to Joel. But just what he did on this film, he would have if he would have just you know done the few films he did, did St. Elmo's Fire, did this, and then never made another film, we'd still be talking about Joel Schumacher. Yep. Fact. And, Absolute fact. And, I mean, that's that's a legacy of this film that we've, you know, we've sat here, I've talked to multiple people about this. I'm doing freaking three episodes. I'm, I'm a 30, you know, three-year-old guy that's doing all these episodes right now, and it's... I, I mean, we're still talking about it. You're still, you have a patch that has been in your Etsy store since you opened it eight years ago, and you won't take it out because it still sells to this day, a Frog Brothers yeah. patch. Internationally, I might add. Internationally. <laughs> exactly. It's not just the U.S., man. The whole global uh, horror community loves this freaking movie. And it's, I mean, there's no better testament. I mean, uh, we we hammered it home, and uh, it's just going con- con- to continue to grow, and... Uh, yeah, it's what what a what a film, what a film. Yeah, yeah. Let's get this thing back in the theaters, man, for maybe like a thirty fifth anniversary. Oh, dude, the know? the drive in up here just announced that they're running E. T. and Back to the Future for the next week at the drive in up here. Let's get Lost Boys in there. Seriously, that's the uh, good is God. That, which one is is that the Coxsackie? Uh, nope. This one is. There's one a little bit. It's a little bit north of Syracuse, about a half hour north in Fulton, called the Midway. It's actually one of. I think it's the. My girlfriend recently told me it's the like the third or fourth fourth oldest drive-in in the United States right now. Wow. Uh, it's so up there with Mahoney. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah, and it's. Uh, it, I mean, it's. This is. Uh, a cool time for drive-ins, man, uh, because it's yeah. one of the real only real options to go see movies right now. Yeah, in that kind of setting. Went, yeah, I just went last week with my wife. Oh, we what'd through. you guys see? We went to a double feature: Ghostbusters and Karate Kid. Ooh, um, nice! And it was fantastic. It was oh man, it, I forgot about everything in the world. For uh, unfortunately, we couldn't stick around uh, for Karate Kid. Uh, you know, two kids at home and only so much time. Um, with with the in-laws watching them so uh we but we got ghostbusters first and 
uh, well, you know, do, do I need to say anything anymore? I mean, a- absolutely not. <laughs> Ghostbusters at the drive-in with your, with your wife on a Friday night. It's like unimaginable during uh, during a the time that the times that we are living right now. I know. If anything, it'll bring us back to a simpler time too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Well, all right, Dan, I thank you for your time, man. This has been awesome. It was, it was so awesome. And, uh, I mean, in hindsight now, I couldn't have picked, uh, a better person to, to ask on this as well. That the, the frog brothers patch thing is like really resonating with me right now because that just something as simple as you doing a pat, making an embroidered patch and selling it on your Etsy store and the fact that you haven't taken it down in eight years because it still sells internationally right there is a testament and a legacy to 1987's The Lost Boys. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it was, you know, it was the same with the Maggots Michael patch, too. Sold out. That Absolutely. Well, all right, man, I thank you again uh, endlessly for your uh, for your time and uh, being a part of this. Uh, I was super pumped that uh, we were able to connect and do this again. And uh, I would love to. Uh, we we got to do an episode with just me and you, and and we we could talk about for about three hours on music, and then another four hours on film too. So, uh, it's people like you, I just I hate the distance, man. <laughs> Dude, uh, and and listeners may not know this, but Dan was actually the very first guest on this podcast ever. I was only uh, doing them for about three or four months, and Dan was the very first guest on this podcast at the New Jersey Horror Con in 2017. Oh, I didn't know that. Very first guest. That. Oh, no shit. So cool. very appropriate that you're on for this. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, thank you once again. Thank you, brother. And there you have it. That is all. That is episode three, our testimonial slash fan talk with our guests, Mr. Joey from Ninja Toidles, Max from Ready to Retro Podcast, and of course, my main man, Dan from Inked Up Merchandise. You can find all them. I will be tagging them in the Instagram post for this episode three, so you can check out everything that they got going on with their pages, their businesses, their podcasts, and uh, support those guys. And it's really been an awesome time talking Lost Boys. This entire week has been very busy and very Lost Boys uh, consumed. I've been consumed with everything Lost Boys, and I love it. I've been posting uh, some merchandise of mine, shirts and, and flags and, and Funko Pops and pins and and little uh, regalia trinkets here and there, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy those posts, and uh, let's keep uh, rolling the rest of the weekend with uh, the Lost Boys and celebrate its uh, 33rd anniversary birthday. Today, July 31st, 2020, marks the 33rd anniversary of the release of the Lost Boys. Came out on July 31st, 1987, and things have never been the same since, thank God. Joel Schumacher uh, passing away so recently. It obviously reminds us how much we got to appreciate these films um, that uh, these directors and these movie makers and these actors and everyone, the stuntmen, the title designers, you know, the names you aren't going to hear about that have sadly passed on from all movies. But this movie, there's a long list of people who've passed away. I read that off in the first episode, and I hope. Everyone takes a moment to reflect on uh, all these great names that made this movie possible. And uh, obviously, we're more familiar with the actors and the directors uh, of these films. So 
you know, obviously we lost Corey Haim 10 years ago, and uh, that was a huge blow. Brooke McCarter, I think uh, not too long after that, five years after that, in December of 2015, we lost him. And uh, Bernard Hughes, I believe, in 2006. Ed Herman, not that long after Brooke McCarter. And, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been really uh, rough to lose these great people of this film. But recently, of course, Joel Schumacher, uh, who did live, you know, to 80, which is, you know, it, depending on how you look at it, you know, that's that could be young. But uh, to have the live the life that Joel lived and, uh, you know, I've said it before on the episode, all these three of these episodes, you know, if Joel stopped making films after The Lost Boys, his legacy would still be imprinted into genre film and cultism films and and everything because this film has just continued to grow through generations and generations and what it means to me you know is every you know I've watched this movie probably 20 or 30 times every year since I could remember uh you know uh, the last few years maybe not 20 or 30 times uh but I busted out a couple times a year and it uh it reminds me constantly of everything discovering it as a kid Loving it as a preteen, uh, introducing people to it in my uh, teens, you know, inter- to introducing it to n- new, you know, new fans in my twenties, and and now talking about it in my thirties with people who have discovered it at different time periods in their lives. Uh, the movie's always stayed relevant to me. It's it's style, it's it's comedy, it's horror. Everything about it has kind of stuck with me, and, and I find it funny, you know, Joel. In 2004, he did an interview for the special features for the DVD release, and he said, you know, this isn't like a big, deep, personal Joel Schumacher film. I'm not sure anybody wants to see that, but it's a fun teenage vampire film, and that it is. But without Joel and his imprint on this and his collaborations with costume designers and set designers and the actors and pushing to get Jason Patrick to want to do it and advancing the screenplay from you know a a Goonies type vampire film into you know a sleek and you know hip as unhip as the word hip is but hip teenage vampire film with you know some you know would be or or arrived as people who have arrived as sex symbols in the in the 80s you know Jason Patrick and Jamie Gertz and, and the Corys obviously the the fandom that started the two Corys was this film you know without Joel a lot of things wouldn't be possible and I don't I don't know if this film is what it is and has the legacy that it has without Joel Schumacher and all of his influence because it it reigns through the film and I think Fans uh, realize that more and more as the years go on that this is, uh, as much as Joel thought it wasn't a deep personal Joel Schumacher film, and it was just a teenage vampire film, so much of him is on the screen and in the scenes, and and like I said, without him, there's no Jason Patrick. Is the role of Michael Emerson different if we get, you know, Kevin Bacon or Ben Stiller uh, or Jim Carrey, you know, those guys rumored to have auditioned, you know, is the movie the same without Jason Patrick? Uh, you know, is the movie the same without Kiefer Sutherland, who Joel saw in At Close Range and wanted him in the film? You know, is it is it the same? I think it's a completely different film, and, and who knows if it would hold what it holds now. And it's ever-growing. Uh, the cultism of it, it grows yearly, you know. Uh, you know, Dan inked up 
had a patch that was one of the first things he put in his Etsy store in 2012. It's still there because people are buying it internationally. We're still seeing enamel pins. You know, Funko Pops came out last year of the Lost Boys. There's shirts. Uh, you know, there's constant, you know, they're making a musical. It's It'll never die. The, the fandom of the Lost Boys will never die. And uh, this film will live forever. And it's thanks to everyone who had anything to do with it. And more importantly than all that, it's the fans that it connected with that are keeping it alive with patches, with enamel pins, with T-shirts, the people who buy the enamel pins, the people who buy the T-shirts, and the people who spend a week talking about this on a uh, on a, a random DIY, you know, punk rock ethos uh, podcast. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed. I hope I thank everyone who participated. In, in all the episodes, I thank uh, anybody who's listening and, and will listen. And uh, on that note, we cue the music. Music.